Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nest Tsunami podcast. Today, we are offering three conversations from episode 45, our interview with Tel Aviv Medical Center Head of Gastroenterology and Hepatology, Oren Shibalet. Plus, from the fall, our conversation earlier this year with Ukraine Director of Health Alliances, Tatiana Deshko, and Fatty Liver Alliance President Mike Patel. In this conversation, Oren Shibalet discusses how the events of October 7th have affected the Israeli medical system, focusing largely, but not entirely, on the practice of hepatology. Along the way, you'll get a flavor of what it's like to live in a place where air raid sirens ring five to six times a day, and there are strict life-saving protocols about what to do when you hear the sirens. Some of those protocols affect willingness to go to hospitals and how you treat patients once you're there. We all spend most of our lives in steatotic liver disease, an intellectually stimulating, pristine environment, but sometimes the outside world intrudes subtly, glaring in a big way. This interview describes how that process has affected a major Israeli hospital and more broadly the people of Israel. It struck a chord with me, might do so with you, so just sit back, listen, learn, feel it. And when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion. Orin Shibolet. People are very, very scared, so they're not coming in. So we have a lot of non-shows. So, for instance, on Sunday, the Sunday that I came in, I'm a transplant hepatologist. So Sunday is our uh, transplant recipient clinic, and I usually see about 12 people with liver transplant patients. And on Sunday, only two came in. And this is a major problem that we've encountered in the past. So everything like that interrupts the usual follow-up of these guys. I mean, some of them are stuck maybe without uh, medication they can reject, etc. Monday is my regular general liver clinic. Only out of usually about 10, only two or three came in. So this is something people are scared to travel. So even Israel is very, very small. But even if you live, let's say, 15 minutes from Tel Aviv, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to drive into Tel Aviv and suddenly be caught outside during an air raid siren or something like that, then people do not come in. And people are scared generally. They're thinking maybe, you know, things will go on. Maybe there'll be some terrorist attacks in Tel Aviv. So they're not coming in. And we are doing all we can to uh, reach out for them through telemedicine and others in order to give them the right care. So this is what we do on, on the regular days. We just try to get to our patients and treat them. People who need to come in, we try to convince them to come in because although what I'm telling you, I guess nobody in the Western world has encountered, maybe you know, in the Ukraine maybe, but nobody in the United States, Canada, etc., in Western Europe has encountered air raid sirens in their living life. And it's, it's a horrendous feeling, but um, we try to take care of our patients. And if we have five a day, it means that we have long periods that are pretty quiet and we think that we can give these people good care. Of the patients that you see right now, what percentage are Jewish versus Arab? And are they all Israeli citizens or do you see actually Palestinians as well? The Arab population in Israel is about 20%. And this is not evenly distributed in our clinics because there is more, for instance, diabetes in the Arab population. So there's more fatty liver there. But in Tel Aviv, we see mostly Jewish patients. Although in the southern part of Tel Aviv, there are Arab neighborhoods in Jaffa. So we have a mixed population portraying the, the general population in Israel. I would say we probably see 85 to 90 percent Jewish and 10 percent Arab. We do not see a lot of Palestinians in Tel Aviv. So Palestinian patients 
come to hospitals that are near the Palestinian Authority and, and in Jerusalem. But we do see the occasional Palestinian here, but not in the last two weeks. Is the distribution of patients different in Barzillai, for example, if you go down to Ashkelon? In Ashkelon, I guess you see more Arab patients because there are Bedouins in that area in the southern part of Israel that come in. But that would portray the general Israeli population. So it would mean that there are 80% Jewish patients and 20% Arab patients. Does the system in any way treat patients differently based on their backgrounds or are all patients treated equally because they're all Israelis or simply because they're all human beings? Absolutely no difference in treatment. So the Israeli system, we're all covered by national health insurance. So every citizen of Israel has health insurance and can get the best medical care concerning liver transplantation, liver biopsies, medications, everything. And for us, it's really, it's nothing. For me, an Arab Israeli is an Israeli. About a third of the staff here are Arabs, doctors, nurses, etc. And actually, for me, the health system is a pillar of light because these guys have been coming in and they're like brothers to us. There is a lot of fear in the Israeli society now because, you know, the atrocities were so horrendous and people, sometimes it's hard for them to understand that even among the populations, it doesn't mean that all Arabs are Hamas terrorists. And we have here Arab doctors that take care of Jewish patients and Arab nurses that take care of Jewish persons. And we still hold this bond and this friendship inside the department. But outside the department in Israeli society, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of uh, suspicions towards the, the Arab population, unfortunately. But concerning patients, I absolutely see no difference between Arabs and Jewish patients in Israel. And in the past, I have to say, I treated terrorists that were caught and injured and we needed to treat them. So we treated them. We are bound by our oath. And for us, a patient is a patient. Roger Green. I think that's an important thing for everyone to keep focus on because, you know, if you don't no, you don't know. So thank you for sharing that. Other than the lightning and patient volume, okay, and, and changes in some procedures, how has gastroenterology hepatology been affected in the last 10 days? And then your colleagues were not in gastroenterology and hepatology. How have their practices and lives changed over the past 10 days? So everybody who's involved in trauma, orthopedic surgery, also all, all surgeries, because there were, uh, you know, neck wounds, head wounds, neurosurgery, intensive care units, everything has been affected. So internal medicine and the subspecialty specialties like cardiology and hepatology, etc., endocrinology, were not very much affected. But all the others, they're not overwhelmed, but, but there's a lot of wounded in the hospital. And there's, these guys actually operate a lot. And the hospital is really being set up for an escalation. So we are trying to discharge all the patients who are not in acute medical need in order to have beds ready for people if the, there's escalation either in the south with the ground move or in, in the north with Hezbollah. So that's that. But concerning our needs, the only major issue that we're dealing with is protection from the air raid sirens, because what we need to think about that we have our own uh, recommendations and instructions from the IDF, from the, the army. And this states that if there is an air raid siren, you need to retreat to a protected area, which is most of the new houses in Israel have a security room, which is built from concrete, has a, a 45 door and people go there. If you don't have one of those, which about half of the Israeli population don't because they live in older houses, then you need to go to a, a sheltered room, which means it doesn't have any windows and it's an inner room within the house. 
away from windows and away from the outer walls. And here, if you're sitting in a clinic with a NASH patient or with a, with a patient and there's, suddenly there's an air raid siren, you can go out of the room and go to the protected shelter. But if this guy is now under sedation doing a colonoscopy, it's a much more complex issue. Luckily for us, our area is protected. But as a member of the National Council for Gastro and Hepatology heading uh, the data collection on all the other institutes, and many of them do not have a sheltered area and the rooms are exposed. So for instance, if there's a procedure room which is on the outer wall and they have to do a procedure there and suddenly there's an air raid siren, it's it's an issue. But we're trying to, to solve that and see how we can do better and keep our patients safe. So when you say it's an issue, what exactly does that entail? So for instance, let's say you're in the middle of a colonoscopy and there's an air raid siren. Supposedly, you need to stop the procedure and take the patient to a protected area. If you have the protected area close by, then it's fine. If it's farther down the corridor or something, or if you're in the middle of a procedure like, you know, polypectomy or whatever, then what do you do? So currently, we are trying to set up the procedures only in protected room, etc., which would also affect our volume of our ability to give care. So right now, the what do you do is you do whatever, but the goal over time is to minimize situations where patients or physicians or surgeons are exposed to that or, or the other staff are exposed to that kind of risk. Right, exactly. This is a speculative question, but certainly the world is still feeling the effects of how care was altered by COVID in terms of life expectancies, in terms of certain kinds of diseases that weren't treated that have long-term sequelae. Has anyone started to estimate yet? I'm sure think about yes, but estimate uh, what the impact of this might be on your population in terms of deferred care? So for us as, as liver doctors, one of the main issues, of course, is surveillance for hepatoma in cirrhotic patients. And we thought that during COVID because people did not go to have their ultrasounds. And we think that it will be the same here because people, uh, first of all, some of the primary care was interrupted because in the primary care in Israel, there's a lot of young physicians that had to go to the reserve. A lot of the clinics were closed. So people in the primary care do not get the best treatment now. So for instance, if I have a patient who's, you know, six six months down the line from the last time he saw me with cirrhosis, and I want to do an HCC surveillance on him with ultrasound, and now he's not going to go to do the ultrasound, it might be deferred by three or four months, and then, you know, down the line, he might have a hepatoma. So that's a major, major concern for us. All kinds of stuff like that. If you need to do a gastroscopy for varices in people with cirrhosis, that's a major concern, because these guys will supposedly come with bleeding, etc. So we are concerned about that. And we looked at the, at the data coming from the COVID. We saw there was a decline in treatment of HCV. There was a decline in treatment of HCC, etc. So these serious progressive diseases are badly affected by the lack of of ability to go to do screening and surveillance procedures. And we're concerned about that. And tomorrow we have a meeting of the National Council, and I'm sure we will be talking about that and see what we need to do, because we have seen an upsurge of HCC cases in cirrhotic patients after COVID, because people didn't go to do their surveillance visits for almost two years. So I think as I'm listening to you and as I'm assimilating what you're saying, your volume is down significantly, maybe 70, 80 percent, because 
those people? Uh, is that is that roughly the range? We you said maybe no, 50, I would say, 50. I would say 50. 50. Yeah, 50, 50 would be 50 would be closer to the truth. It's a huge number. 50 is a huge number. I mean, you don't have to actually 25 would be a huge number, right? In terms of care delayed and care denied. So what I hear you saying, if I understand correctly, is if I have a 10 to 15 minute drive to get to the hospital, I have to ask myself, is it worth going to the hospital to take the risk that on the way there or the way back, there will be an air raid siren and I will be completely exposed? Right, exactly. People talk to me about that all the time. They come in and they're scared, saying, you know, they're planning the things. And I have to tell you myself, when I go home, I live not far from the hospital, so I walk home. And I know all the shelters along the way because I'm saying to myself, okay, I'm crossing this uh, junction. And what happens if I'm caught in the middle, which is an open space and I have to run down the street and I know where all the walls are, where I can take shelter. For me, it's work. I see it as my duty to give care to the patients. And I also think that, you know, it's very, very important for us to give continued care because when something so horrendous happens and people, in a sense, they lose a little bit of faith in the system and they think, maybe the system is not working. So this is why I was very, very adamant to all my guys here. And I said, we're not canceling clinics and we're not canceling procedures because we have to give the feeling to the people that the medical system works as usual. And if you call, because for me, I would say as a citizen, if I call in a hospital and I say, I need a colonoscopy, is it still going on? They said to me, no, 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 it's not going on. You know, it uh, transmits a sense of panic. So we have tried to be there for the population. Population, but we are scared in general. And now back to Roger. We hope you've benefited from this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of the conversation or any entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week discussing the liver risk score and some news about our ASLD coverage next month. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye bye now.